It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 871 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar around. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. More on them a little bit later on. All right, on today's show, uh, starting off in the first segment with just me to offer a couple of thoughts on the Friday 111, or wait, it was a 101-81 win over the Miami Heat uh, to move the Raptors to 6-9, and nine, and as well as the lovely win over the Indiana Pacers, minus Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry on Sunday. Uh, we'll get to a couple thoughts on those games, sort of big takeaways from the two as a whole, 
Before we get to a chat with Tony East, our pal from Locked On Pacers, one of my favorite dudes on the Locked On Network to do crossover shows with, we had a little chat about the Raptors and Pacers after their game on Sunday afternoon, ahead of their rematch on Monday night as well. There was a lot of fun stuff in that conversation, so that's going to come up in segments two and three. But first, I want to dive into my big takeaways from the Miami game mostly and a little bit of the game on Sunday as well. We got a lot into the game on Sunday, so we don't need to spoil too much there. But one thing that did kind of get glossed over a little bit, although we did mention him a little bit, is OG Ananobi, who it's tough to gloss over that guy right now. He is playing his ass off. And I just wanted to sort of offer a little thought. I know I tweeted this out a little bit on Friday as he had 21 points in that game for the Raptors where their defense was just smothering. Uh, The offense found enough against the Miami zone to win. That was nice to see, but really the encouraging signs both on Friday and on Saturday, on Sunday, have all been from the defense more than anything else, where the defense is now number eight in the NBA. It is climbing rapidly up the standings as now... Three of the last four games, they've been pretty smothering on that end and playing just even against the Heat in their loss on Wednesday. It's not like they were bad defensively there either. It's just been a really nice turnaround for a team that is finally seeming to get its bearings. It seems like everyone's getting comfortable with each other. It seems like you know Aaron Baines knows what he's doing once again and can actually play that sort of backstop role that we've been talking about the Raptors needing so badly, especially with the aggressive style of defense they play. That's looking great, and that's one thought. But the big thing is OG Ananobi, who is taking... Look, I don't want to say he's taking the leap, because that is... It was kind of always an unfair conversation about OG coming into this season. I thought the expectations were absurdly high. The talk around his contract when the extension was up in the air, and the, oh, is he going to get the max? Like, no. Like, it's a lot to assume a guy is just going to become a max player after being a low-usage, nice three-point shooting, great defender. It was always a little bit over the top to expect some enormous leap. We talked a lot about OG during the preseason, and I think we kind of came out thinking if he can be like one of the best role players in the NBA, if he can do a little bit more in terms of being part of the offense as not just the number five guy, but actually kind of jumping up the hierarchy a little bit, if he can continue his incredible defense, I mean, that's a really good step for him. And, and you know, the off the dribble stuff may come, might, might come at some point, maybe not this year, but either way, you know, I think we both kind of threw around on the podcast I did with Joe Wolf on the idea that, that OG making the leap this year looks a lot like, you know, one of these kind of guys who is sort of an all-star without actually being an all-star. Just all of the things he does on the floor, the impact on winning, all that stuff. And we're really seeing that come through right now. And so, again, I don't want to say OG Ananobi's making the leap, but there is some leapy stuff going on with him right now. And I've made this point before, and I'll rehash it again because, hey, it's a daily podcast. Sometimes we rehash things, and that's okay. I think OG's role this season, you know, the the peak of his role was always going to be if he could really fill that Pascal Siakam role from the championship season, where he's using the gravity of other players on the team, the Pascals, the the Kyles, the Freds, and he's leveraging that into being an opportunistic scorer with a really high efficiency rate, who is making himself part of the offense just by being in the right places, which is something that OG has struggled with in the past, where he's kind of just resigned to standing in the corner. Yes, he'll cut here and there, but he's not really making himself a part of the offense. If he could sort of level up and become that sort of Pascal opportunistic score, you know, score 15 to 17 a game, just all basically on stuff that's created for him by the gravity of other players, 
then you're really cooking with something. And guess what? We're cooking with something. He's doing exactly that right now. He's gotten so much better at not just being like a connector in the offense where, you know, it swings to him and either he's taking a three or he's passing it off to the next guy who can make a move. He is able to make those moves. He is making those cuts. He is able to get into the teeth of the defense as the the sort of center guy in the zone. He is doing a lot of things to really make himself a more primary part of the offense is he ever going to have the same usage rate as Pascal or Fred or Kyle Lowry when everyone's healthy no and he probably shouldn't but with the way he's scoring in the opportunities he's getting the opportunities that for the most part have been quite open and easy to get the Indiana game notwithstanding considering he was kind of the number one option and was seeing double teams at times and still managed to score 30 points on efficient shooting you know that 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 was amazing uh let's not let's not overlook that that's incredible and that's awesome growth but for the most part, I think we're really seeing OG doing the things that I thought he was going to have to do to really sort of tell me, okay, he's making some sort of leap here. And, you know, the defense, after maybe a bit of a slow start, is back to you know, full-on menace levels. He got five steals against the Pacers on Sunday. He looks amazing. And if he plays like this, if he's able to be a reliable 60-plus true shooting percentage guy who can offer a little bit more in terms of, you know, not primary creation, but secondary creation, secondary off-the-ball stuff, um, you know, off-the-bounce stuff, uh, sorry, I should say. If he's able to sort of leverage mismatches, which they're doing a better job with, you know, finding him in the post and things like that against smaller players, then that becomes such a huge tool to help beef up the Raptors' offense, which, of course, we've seen uh, can get lean at times. And I'm just I'm blown away by what OG's doing lately. He looks incredible. He looks comfortable. The three-point shooting will not stay this hot, obviously. It's going to come back down to earth at some point. But after the really uneven start from three, if he can level out around 40 41%, which is what he's at now, I think he's up to almost 43 now, you know, if he can be around the 39-40-41 area, that is more than enough from OG Ananobi, who we know has a long track record of being a good three-point shooter. The free throws are coming along. Shout out to the clutch free throws he hit in the game against the Pacers as well. It's just, it's all coming together a little bit here. You know, again, I don't want to say he's turning into like some sort of star player or anything like that. That's way too premature. It could still come down the line, but the progress we're seeing from OG in these first 15-16 games of the season is really encouraging, and I'm excited to see what he's going to look like with the full complement of players left as he continues to grow into the role um, and becomes, again, more of that sort of guy who can be the dude who punishes you if you do put too much attention, uh, you know, in the way of Pascal or Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry. So that's my overarching takeaway from OG. It's really good. It's really fun. He looks awesome. And I'm very, very happy to see him kind of bust out of that early season funk. And now we will uh, turn our attention to our chat with Tony East from Locked On Pacers to dive more into the nitty gritty of that game against Indiana on Sunday. But before we do that, I just want to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars around. They've actually improved their formula. You know, we got a round of Built Bars in the summer when we first brought them on, and I like them. They are quite good, but now they are like insanely good. I can't even describe the improvement that has been made in Built Bar and their formula, and they rock. I had one today. I went cross-country skiing. It's the reason why I had to listen to the Raptors game on the radio on my drive home from the ski hill uh, where there is snow two hours north of Hamilton, um, and I 
had a built bar to get me going for that. It was amazing. Whenever I want to have something to sort of fill my stomach but not make me feel gross before a workout, it's a great choice. It's just awesome. If I don't feel like eating lunch one day and I just want to have a quick snack that'll fill me up, a built bar is a great choice as well. They got 18 flavors, including some awesome ones like lemon almond cheesecake, which is delicious. Uh, toffee almond, I had one of those today. Amazing. You know, my all-time favorite. Orange, all of the flavors are rocking good rocking good sure that's a way to describe it bars are covered in 100 chocolate they're soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for keto diets as well right now when you go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on you get 20 percent off of your next order that is the promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com this is jake from locked on Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's get to it. Myself, Tony East, talking Raptors, Pacers, both Sunday and the rematch on Monday. So enjoy. Hey, it's Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here with uh, Tony East of Locked On Pacers, uh, right smack dab in the middle of a back-to-back between the Toronto Raptors and Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Raptors taking the first half on Sunday afternoon, 107-102. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm good. I was at this game, and I think every 1 p.m. NBA game ever has been a weird game, and this game was absolutely <laughs> no exception. So uh, yeah. it was. I, I got to the stadium at like 11 in the morning for pregame media, and it, it was just all weird the whole time I was there. But... Every Pacers-Raptors game has been won by the Raptors since I was born, I swear. That's not actually, <laughs> not actually true. We were talking about this in another chat. I was in the Pacers are five, like have five wins since 2014 or something. But it feels like the Raptors win all these, and this game was no exception. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, the playoff series probably kind of weighs on the mind a little bit, too, even though that was a 4-3 yes. series, so the Pacers got some wins there, too. The only real Pacers win I can recall against the Raptors recently was one where the Raptors started out like, I don't know. They were up like thirty to ten, and then the Pacers went on like a fifty to ten run or something like that. Um, New a Year's Eve. Years back. Yeah, yeah. So or that's Christmas like Eve. The, one of the really, Yeah, there's there a lot of the uh, you know weird Pacers Raptors games. This one, as you mentioned, included. Um, full disclosure: I listened to this game entirely on the radio. It was just like I was back in time listening to this one driving home from <laughs> the cross country ski hill, uh, and so I didn't get to really. I, I've seen highlights since returning home and all that stuff, but I haven't seen the full game in its entirety uh, on television. But I think there's lots of stuff I can infer from the listening experience. It was, I don't know, my takeaway from just like listening to the game is it sounded like the Raptors were on their usual sort of uh, play like demons on defense type thing, which has not been a 
regular occurrence this season. They kind of have recaptured a little bit in the last week or so and have had a few really nice defensive performances Friday against the Heat, last Monday against the Mavs. Uh, And this one, from the sounds of it, uh, as I listened in, was maybe their best defensive performance yet. Of course, bearing the lead here, without Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry, it was going to have to be a defensive first effort. Um, Tony, you were there, man. What what did you make of uh, how this one played out? Any sort of glaring big takeaways from from, from the first half of the back-to-back? The defense is where I would start if I'm talking about how the Raptors won because... You know, Nick Nurse was talking before the game in a, in a sea of questions about Nate Bjorker and um, he got one about <laughs> actually playing basketball and stopping the Pacers and what, what you know, what you think about there. These teams play sort of similarly and he sort of mentioned, you know, the decision the Raptors have to make is kind of between do you do you kind of go one-on-one with Sabonis and kind of let him make his tough shots and let other guys beat you or do you really sell out to stop Sabonis and, you know, go that route instead. And the Raptors went with B. They said, we're not letting Sabonis do anything. We're going to cut off the rim and just swarm everyone on defense to not let them drive and make them run set plays to beat us. And that worked extremely well, right? Van Vliet did an amazing job this entire game for 41 minutes, by the way, he played a ton and played awesome with Lowry out on Brogdon. Brogdon shot five of 22. Chris Boucher, who is a, a delightful player, uh, in his 21 minutes, did a nice job on Sabonis. Aaron Baines had a few nice minutes on Sabonis. They they threw some unique, I guess would be the perfect word, coverages at him. And he was shot one for 10, probably, no, 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 probably. Definitely his worst shooting game of the season. So the Raptors cutting off the rim. Uh, that's one of the Pacers' life blood this season. I think they lead the league or are top two or three in the league in points at the rim. They didn't have that tonight. They were shot 39 threes. Instead, they pivoted out there, didn't make enough of those to win. And with Brogdon and Sabonis struggling, all credit to the Raptors defense. They did a really nice job defensively. And Nick Nurse, to his credit, literally laid out the game plan before the game. One of the options was a defensive bonus, and it worked. So all the credit to the Raptors there. Yeah, good, good, good for uh, Nurse there, just calling his shot beforehand <laughs> against his uh, his old disciple, Nate Bjorkren. Um, yeah, you know, I think... It's interesting. Usually the Raptors play this like star killer defense where they really sell it to stop the best player on a team. Uh, but oftentimes it's against like perimeter players and lead guards and Luka Doncic's and stuff like that. Uh, it's a little different for them to do it against a big man. You know, really the only big men they come across who are, you know, very scary uh, in you know the general run of their seasons, minus some Western Conference games here and there, like Bam Adebayo, who's still, you know, I think figuring out his sort of one-on-one game is not really a go-to scorer as much as he's just kind of a playmaker at this point, uh, who can score, there's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, it's like Joel Embiid's kind of the other guy, and until this year, they've only played one game against them. I mean, they had Marcus Gasol just like, uh, you know, making him his child for, you know, 48 minutes a game <laughs> before that. So they haven't, like had a ton of experience doing the sellout on a big man type thing. And, you know, I, I guess they were hoping that the Pacers were going to miss a ton of threes in this one. They didn't shoot, like, miserably from three. They were 13 to 39. Um, Brogdon was terrible, 1 to 10. And I, that's right there. I mean, that's the that's difference the game. in the game. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like, Run. if Brogdon has a normal game, the Pacers probably win this because the Raptors, as noble as their defensive effort was, 
it's not like they had a ton of offense in the lineup in this one, right? Like it's a, it's a lot of Stanley Johnson who is good for his one bucket a game and he got it good for him. And he played some excellent defense was part of that Sabonis shutdown um, sort of team effort. And you get like DeAndre Benbury and Yuta Watanabe and a bunch of bench guys coming in, all of whom are defense first with very little offense. And, you know, the Raptors, I think, just scraped by barely enough here. If they don't have Lowry and Siakam again on Monday, I'd be pretty surprised if they pulled off another similar win, frankly, um, just because, you know, it's tough to, to get by without your two best offensive players but maybe it doesn't matter because og ananobi is uh, actually Kawhi leonard now so uh <laughs> og was insane that that's a big thing from this game that that you know the, the raptors no siakwa no lowry i thought you know like fred's good and i'm from the same town as fred originally so like big fan of him obviously but like he doesn't have he doesn't have all the creation stuff to just run this offense right like he can mm-hmm. he'll probably get 22 and 8 or something like that but that's not gonna be enough for the raptors to win but then they get creation and buckets from OG from just everywhere, right? The dude hit every almost every three he took, it felt like, and had some nice drives. His strength is just insane. Like, he was the guy defending Sabonis a few times when Baines and uh, Boucher were out, which was rare, but it still worked. And he combined that with, again, ridiculous offense, and some of it was self-created, some of it was spotted. But still, when you get 30 points from anyone, it doesn't matter how, that's a ridiculous game, right? So OG mm-hmm. stepping up and being a – fantastic offense player really bridge that gap and the Pacers with Bjorkren kind of fit the mold that you just described with nurse the star killer defense right they I, I mean these teams are like spitting images of each other it's kind of funny but mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Kalen uh, Cooper uh branding them the yes. Indiana Raptors uh always shout out to <laughs> Kalen <laughs> yeah she's a fantastic writer writing about how these teams are twinning was very good and you know uh the thing that nurse said before the two is the Pacers kept following the Raptors and opponents like the Raptors would play the Mavs and the Pacers would play the Mavs. And then the Raptors played like it kept happening. So he was like, Nate's been scouting us way more than I've been scouting him. But um, <laughs> anyway, the, the twinning of the team was that they, the Pacers also saw to, to stop the stop the stars or, you know, get the ball out of the best creators hands. And in this case it was Fred and they tried to make him to, to make him give it up more. And they played this really aggressive defense and it just, it didn't work. They got beat by everybody else. Raptors shot 43% from deep and got some good looks at the rim. And it felt like every time the Pacers, they, I think their biggest lead was like three or one, right? They got the mm-hmm. lead a few times, but they never got it to like a point where I even thought the Raptors would be like, this is threatening. I want to see if I can find the biggest. Yeah. The biggest lead for the Pacers was one. So huh. they could, they could get the lead and they, they, they would finally get it back and then they couldn't hold it. Right. The Raptors just, every time the Pacers would blitz a ball handler or whoever, like someone would hit an important and timely shot. And if you're going to have to stop the star, the role players have to beat you. And the Raptors did a nice job of that in this one. Yeah. The Raptors, you know, used to be their thing where they would go on like runs entirely powered by their defense. Like they might not do a ton in terms of like half court exciting offense, but they would, you know, turn four or five minutes of insane defense into like a a stream of transition uh, opportunities and whatnot. Uh, and they haven't done a great job of that this year, like putting together five, six minute runs where they are that sort of menacing defensive team. And in this one, they kind of did. Right. And in those moments where the Pacers did draw close, just because it was kind of always inevitable, whether they fell down by 13 or not, like the Raptors did not have a ton of firepower on the floor or available at any point in this game. And it just it always seemed like the Pacers were going to make those runs. But the fact that the Raptors could kind of like 
you know, curb them a little bit and, you know, manage to get whatever they could milk out of their offense. You know, that's, again, that's the game. You know, this was a real skinnier ass type win for the Raptors considering the personnel they had available. And I don't know how you could leave it being not impressed with the way they kind of executed everything. And like, you know, I, I feel bad for Pacers fans you were victim of like the first good Aaron Bain- Aaron Baines game all season long so congrats uh for for having that distinction uh you know his 12 points I, I, like I was checking the box score um you know I checked the box score when I got home from from my drive and I was just like stunned at the existence of a plus two and 12 points at Aaron Baines's line because that is uh not a thing he's been known for this season but nice to see he's alive and kicking and I, like that's the thing too is the Raptors have had you know, at most like three or four guys good on, you know, most nights this season. And they got a whole bunch of good performances in this one, even without Lowry and Siakam. So uh, pretty impressive win overall. Uh, any last stray thoughts on this one before we kind of take a look at tomorrow's game, Tony? Uh, Aaron Baines, the ball like a shot put is my last thought on Aaron Yeah, Baines, it's insane. It it's in, insane. It went in in this game, so this matter. <laughs> I feel like we, we haven't really gone too role player on the Pacers side, which is just where I will close my thoughts because that's the yeah. team I cover. but. Go nuts. You know, the, the, usually the problem for the Pacers, I don't know if you know this, is they'll get a lot from Brogdon and a lot from Zabonis, and one of their two other guys will do good, but none of the rest of the role players will step up, right? They don't right. quite get enough from those ancillary guys to win. When they lose, that's typically been the blueprint. Today was the exact opposite, right? Lamb, first of all, Jeremy Lamb against the Raptors is hilarious. He always plays well <laughs> against the Raptors. It makes no sense. But Lamb played well, 13 points. McConnell scored eight points. Aaron Holiday actually shot okay. Doug McDermott had 13. Justin Holiday had 16. They got – Turner had 25 and six blocks, right? They got every ancillary guy who isn't like a key option on, on almost every offense position did really well on offense this game. And then – Sabonis and Brogdon were the two that were struggling. They combined to be six for 32. It was just such a rare game like that. And while the Raptors, again, deserve credit for, you know, doing exactly what Nurse said they would do and slowing down Sabonis and and preventing the Pacers from getting what they want at the rim, the Pacers seem to think after the game in all their post-game interviews that, and I agree with this, that, you know, going to the rim, like, you're, they just missed, right? Like, obviously, that's how you feel when you lose and you just miss shots. But they, they liked the shots they got. And, you know, you don't like to Brogdon's defense a tiny bit. You don't shoot 22 times unless you're like, you feel like you're open. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's forcing it. Malcolm Brogdon's yeah. a pretty smart player. So I think if the Pacers play similarly, like style-wise, that they did in this first game, this is me bridging it to what you just said, by the way, the next game. I think if the Pacers play similarly stylistically uh, from game one and two, I think they can come out with a win just on natural progression from their stars, but they will have to get another okay game from some of those ancillary guys. We've got more with our buddy Tony coming up in just one sec as we look ahead to Monday night's game, uh, Raptors Pacers Part 2. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, a wonderful place for you to put your money down and win some money when you are watching sports. There's lots of sports going on right now. You've got the uh, Super Bowl coming up in a couple weeks. There will be a million props available for you to take part in there. We, of course, have got uh, basketball every night, the NHL. MLB futures are available. You can even bet on Croatian basketball if you really, really feel like it. You can sign up today as well for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus, meaning if you put in $100, you get $150 into your account just there you get to play with that extra 50 bucks that is an awesome awesome deal 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yeah, right. I guess it also totally depends, too, on, you know, who the Raptors have available. Because if they have Kyle and Pascal, yeah. you know, with fresh legs, that could be a big deal in a back-to-back where both teams are yep. on the same back-to-back. And the Raptors clearly had to expend a ton of energy just to win this game with the guys they had available. Um, you know, I- I'm... I'm really curious about how they're managing this foot thing and this groin thing for Kyle and Pascal, respectively. You know, I'm wondering if maybe because it was like a short day and a half turnaround from their last game Friday night to the afternoon game today, maybe that's why they both sat this one and maybe they'll both feel be available on uh, on Monday. You know, Kyle, I think, is already a game time decision listed uh, and. You know, Pascal played Friday when it was kind of up in the air, and I'm just wondering if maybe that's the strategy there. So you kind of come in with the second night having those guys fresh and available, and then it's obviously a very different game, and the complexion of the matchup changes entirely. Although I don't think the Raptors will change the way they play their defense all that much. I think it'll mostly be on the offensive end where they won't have to work quite as hard to get whatever they could get, uh, you know, scrape by with in the, in the one on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, it's it's really fun, this, like, Nurse Bjorkren thing, because they are spitting images of each other. They do have very similar tendencies. Obviously, you know, like, I don't want to say, like, Bjorkren learned everything he knows from Nick Nurse, but I don't know, did he? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and so, like, I'm curious, like, the sort of cat and mouse of, what the adjustments will be. And this is what I'm loving about these little two game series that are a ton of fun is, you know, how does team X adjust to what team Y did? You know, this has happened with the Raptors last week when they played the heat twice in a row where the heat, you know, torched them with the zone. And then they kind of, you know, they still threw the zone at the Raptors a bunch and it made them struggle, but they found other ways to kind of get around it and find buckets from it. And I don't know if you're the Pacers, Tony, how do you think they sort of counteract the extra attention that you're going to send to Sabonis and Brogdon? Do you just kind of hope and trust that McDermott and Turner and Holiday and McConnell and Lamb will have good games again? Or will they have to do something else to maybe sort of free those guys up? Well, first of all, I'm excited to see how Bjorkran adjusts. And I was hoping that the Pacers won this game just so on this very podcast I could say, Ooh, the uh, the six and ten Raptors, man. They really could use Bjorkran's uh, braids on their bench. Maybe, maybe they, <laughs> they lost more than they thought. Now I can't do that because the Raptors won. So, yeah, and it's the fun Pacers to and Raptors, the by the way, are point uh, one point away from each other in the net rating standings. Uh, so basically, wow. the same team. They're only like a game apart, right, in the standings in general. So that's not they that will crazy. be if the Raptors win tomorrow. It'll be exactly one. Got game. it. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, the stories of Bjorken like calling Nick Nurse, begging for a job, and, and on the G League team, and how these they're from the same state and hang out in basements and draw plays. It's just too fun. But they they can unfortunately due to COVID have a ton of fun these games. But adjustments wise, yeah, well, you actually asked me. Um, first of all, Sabonis himself, I think, just needs to set a few more screens. That seems very obvious. But I felt like he was screening and not, and not rolling as much. They're doing a lot of double dragon. I don't want to get too nitty gritty, but. You know, they didn't have him in the stuff that I felt like is so common for him. And mm-hmm. some of this is, like I just said with Brogdon, Brogdon shot 22 times. And again, I Brogdon's a smart player. He's not shooting 22 times unless he thinks he's open. But he did over-dribble a few of them. And Sabonis only taking 10 shots is also a little on the low side for him. So I think that the Raptors' attention did, you know, force him to not have the shots as much. But that also, to me, is some evidence that they went away from a staple of their offense, which is him picking and rolling. They did have him posting up a lot, but less in the roll game. So maybe going to that a little bit. And then the other thing that B- that Bjorkman mentioned after the game is he want, might change up his rotation a little bit right. uh, in the next game. They only went eight deep, which is always surprising, right? And tons of minutes for Justin Holiday, Brogdon, and Sabonis. Fred, too. I mean, the, the Raptors and Pacers <laughs> just love hammering their starters. But eight deep is kind of <laughs> weird. And, it's the Iowa way, and, man. <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. The, the Raptors have been kind of heavy starter minutes for forever anyway. Like, it's not crazy. Yeah. But this is the first year the Pacers are, are getting used to it. So it's it's new for me. But I think he might try to get Edmund Sumner on the court in this game. Sumner was playing very well uh, before Lamb returned. And then even when Lamb did return, had a few nice games as a starter. He didn't play in this one. I think he'll probably get some minutes. Maybe they can mix up their bench rotation a little more. Just so they can mix and match more groups. You know, again, the Bjork or Nurse way. So, just some subtle lineup changes here and there might change the game a little bit, but I'll be, I'll be curious what nurse does too, because you know, there wasn't, again, the Pacers smoked him with the ancillary guy. So I wonder if nurse adjusts a little on, on the way he rotates to try to slow down Jeremy lamb or slow down Justin holiday or whatever they can do. Yeah. I kind of doubt we'll see that much of a different approach just because that's kind of always the sort of uh, what the hell is it called? The balance beam, the line, what's the, what's the, 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 the high wire. That's what it is. There you go. <laughs> The high wire that the Raptors kind of, you know, operate on, right? Where they are so hell-bent on stopping the stars on a team. And usually it's just like a a one-star situation where they really sell out. And obviously it was uh, a little different today, but same kind of result with Brogdon and Sabonis. And and I think they kind of always operate on, yeah, okay, well, if we force the best player to go one of ten... You know, I, I don't think Miles Turner is going to go 8 of 12 every game, right? Right. And I think we'll probably see them kind of roll out and probably expect, hey, maybe we get some regression from those other guys and you get, you know, lesser performances from Justin Holiday. He doesn't go 4 of 9. He goes 2 of 7 or something like that. Uh, and even if Sabonis and Brogdon do make up a little bit of what they didn't have today, then maybe they the, the math still works for the Raptors. Uh, but again, like I said... If they don't have Siakam and Lowry, I'm going to pick the Pacers to win that game on Monday night just because it seems like a lot to carry that energy over, the defensive energy that they had um, from Sunday afternoon into a second day, second game of back-to-back. Even with the little extra time to rest with it being an afternoon game, it just feels like a big ask. And it also it feels like a big ask to you know have OG Ananobi score 30 points again, even though <laughs> maybe that's just what he does now. I don't know. Um you know, uh, like there, there weren't any performances on the Raptors outside of Baines that I would say you look at and say, oh, well, that guy, you know, you can expect more from or it's all kind of the exact same as what you'd expect, frankly. And so if anything falls back in terms of OG or Powell or Van Vliet, then you're probably looking at a, a pretty difficult ask for the Raptors to pull out a win. Uh, either way, man. 
it'll be a lot of fun. These games are always wild and crazy and stupid, and it has a new level <laughs> of uh, intrigue with the uh, with the Iowa boys now coaching against each other. Uh, you, there needs to be some like disparaging stuff between them. Every time you have like a coach who has you know coached uh, another coach or coached with another coach, and it's all just friendship and niceness. Was was there any sort of uh, <laughs> Like subtle digs between either Nate or Nick uh, in in any of the availabilities today? Not really. I, I think during cowards. The, I know, I know. No one really asked. Like that, you know, the whole pregame availability was like, how awesome is it to, or how excited? Like no one was really going the other direction. I hmm. did see they both used all of their angry energy on the officials in this game. Like there was a lot of ref yelling, and this this game was so interesting because. Like they, these guys were bludgeoning each other on both mm. sides, and no calls were happening. Right, pretty low free throw game in general. Uh, eh, it was a little more than I thought. I guess looking back at it, forty-eight in total. But there was a lot of contact in this game, just in general. Both coaches like to get to the rim, mm. uh, and so both both coaches were doing a lot of ref yelling. Nick Nurse at one point was trying to get a tech. I saw him. He was clapping at a ref for like twenty <laughs> seconds. And he's staring at him, and the ref never looked back at him. So he finally stopped clapping, and then. One time during a timeout, Bjorker went up to two refs individually to talk to them. I was like, man, they, these guys are heated about the officials at this game. But no, no animosity towards each other. I mean, I, I'm assuming they're really good friends after how much they've been through together. So it's just going to be the Iowa Bowl. And Nick, Nick Nurse talked about that before the game. I think Michael Grange, I think he's on the rep. That's a name on the Raptors beat, correct? Yep. Uh, he he yep. asked about it. And he said, yeah, this will be the second biggest game in Iowa today behind the Chiefs game. Because apparently a lot of people in <laughs> Iowa like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know anything about it football fandom but i'm assuming that is correct because he's from Iowa. so i believe both nick and nate are big chiefs fans so that would check out oh okay um, i did not yeah know yeah by the way like i don't know like i find that the people i say the meanest thing to th- things to are my best friends so uh <laughs> nurse <laughs> nurse and nate should step that up and uh you know give us some entertainment by the way you, you're gonna get used to if it is gonna be in fact the indiana raptors uh get used to ref screaming because that is the thing the raptors love to do the most you're usually nurse. pretty composed but he, mm. today he was very angry a few times aaron holiday got a tech in this game i mean it was it gets them all riled up i guess i don't know it was a real <laughs> let them play game but to to, to something you said earlier, if both Pascal and Kyle are out again, I'm also picking a Pacers win. If one of or both Pascal and Kyle play, I'm actually going to pick another Raptors win because one, like I said earlier, I think the Raptors just always beat the Pacers. <laughs> and two, it just, I just don't know that the Pacers quite, it just felt off, right? It felt weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they can overcome weird, but something about the way the Raptors played made the, the way they played feel weird. And if they can do that again, I think they can win even with just one of the two stars. So, yeah. They're both out Pacers. If one or both plays, I'm picking Raptors. That's a good point. Um, you know, for Raptors fans who have been concerned about the defense all season long and it's finally starting to turn around, having a team play as though they feel weird is kind of what the Raptors' <laughs> whole goal is. So that seems to be a mission accomplished if you're the Raptors uh, and as their defense has now been amazing three out of four games. So shout out to them. Uh, Tony, shout out to you, man. It's always lovely uh, catching up with you, man. It's always a, a wonderful little team up we got going on here. Where can people check out Locked On Pacers? Yes, and my listeners should check out Locked On Raptors because you fit the Canadian people are all nice uh, stereotype very well, Sean. So I always enjoy uh, yeah, talking I'm nice. to you. And, you know I'm nice because I didn't make any OG and OB TJ Leaf digs today. I guess you just did though. Yeah, you just yeah, did. You messaged me about it. I can I spoil our private messages like that? I just said Yeah, that. go nuts. You did, you did message me about it, so does that count? 
It, it drives me crazy. Like it happened. Fought, like not you. You did not drive me crazy. My reply people <laughs> like that guys, the draft, that draft was five seasons ago. Like we get it. It happened. Okay. It's over. TJ Leafs not on the Pacers anymore. We don't have to talk about it. Like we, we just don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it any opportunity because it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> we don't talk about it anymore. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony, man, this was great. Uh, listen to Lockdown Pacers. Listen to Lockdown Raptors. Uh, at T East NBA is you on Twitter? Correct. You're at Woodley yeah. Sean. I know that. Damn right. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, enjoy Monday's game, and we will talk to you again very soon. I'm sure. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.